When I was in elementary school, the desks were lined up in traditional rows. Students stayed in their seats for most of the day, and you dared not talk to anybody. Punishments were swift and sometimes quite severe. Well, we have come a long way since then, and we're going to talk about that and much more in just a moment. Welcome to Episode 77 of the Teacher Rockstar Podcast, a place where tips and strategies critical to the new teacher are discussed. I'm your host, Steve Hiles, and in today's episode, we're going to be talking about brain-based learning, Part 2. But first, a word from our sponsor. Fourth and fifth grade teachers, would you like to have engaging and exciting informational reading passages for your students? This resource details several stages, including the reversal of roles, an opening activity, questions, and a closure activity. Question probes are provided for whole group instruction as well. Text selections can be used for fluency drills and or homework practice. A step-by-step format is provided for implementation. Visit readcoachread.com. That's readcoachread.com. Your students are going to want to read these passages over and over. Okay, let's dive right in. If learning is social holds true in real world as well as in the classroom. Then as teachers, why would we insist that children sit all day in traditional rows? Not only is it hard on little bodies to physically endure, but certain aspects of brain development may remain untapped. The point is that children need to be able to brainstorm, discuss things with each other, and share information and ideas. They need to move their bodies and their minds. To grow, they need to engage with each other and the world around them. This is how ideas, brains, and bodies mature. Social interaction and cooperative learning skills are vital to emotional development. The child who learns how to share and cooperate with others will become an adult who can negotiate the complexities of work, home, and community life. Socialization is a process of acquiring values and understanding. In the famous videos first made just after the assassination of Martin Luther King in 1968, teacher Jane Elliott led a group of Iowa third graders through an anti-racism exercise, which became known as, quote, the blue eyes and the brown eyes, end quote. In the exercise, which you may have studied, she divided the class by eye color and told one group, the blue eyes, they were superior to the other, reversing the roles on the second day so that the second group was now considered superior. In addition to the lessons learned about race in this exercise, which has become the foundation for diversity training, astonishingly, the ones considered superior suddenly became able to do mathematical and reading problems that were beyond them before and got better grades on tests. When the roles were reversed, they became submissive, subservient, and less able to do the classwork. Dominance and submission, superiority and inferiority, confidence and shyness, all of these social issues play into both the whole group interactions in a classroom and individual achievement levels. Studies of families living in poverty, for example, show that there are cultural influences equating wealth with intelligence, which may or may not become determiners of an individual child's abilities in school. Other studies that can be helpful for a new teacher to research before entering the classroom for the first time examine the context and consequences of the teacher-student relationship. Regardless if a teacher-student relationship is close or fraught with conflict, that relationship seems to both contribute to and be an indicator of a child's adjustment to school. 
When a student likes school, many studies show they get better grades. Often the degree of liking comes down to the relationship with the teacher. If students feel that their teacher likes them, very important here, they will tend to do better. If they feel liked by the other children in the classroom, they will feel far more secure and comfortable spending their day with the others. Part of your task as a teacher is to create and support a classroom attitude and atmosphere in which each child feels included and liked. Social interactions require face time. Students need to chat to get to know each other and learn what the predictable consequences of various kinds of interactions are. Through social interaction, students learn how to avoid conflict, how to negotiate to get their needs met, and how to develop and maintain friendships and positive relationships. Now, I will be the first to admit I cannot stand a noisy classroom. However, I know from experience that children can work effectively together and really benefit through cooperative group learning activities. The image of the teacher pulling his or her hair out because of noise as the kids work in groups is simply false. Granted, you should expect some good noise as the students discuss their tasks, but you do not need to expect or allow chaos in a classroom either. I want to offer a tip. Change the setting, change the mood. What do I mean by that? Well, by changing mental states often, you can enhance the learning process. If nothing else, you can prevent boredom and simple fatigue. Strike a balance between safe, structured procedures and activities scheduled at predictable times with the occasional surprises. One of the most effective ways to change a mental state is to change the physical state of the person. Get the students up and out of their seats frequently. Reconfigure the classroom to suit new activities. And take the class outside for a change of scene. You can also use subtle cues to change the whole mood of the class. Turn off some of the lights or turn everything on full. Open windows or shut them. Turn on music or ask for silence. The younger the child, the more frequently you need to have them do something physical. Now, if you want proof of this, go and check out any kindergarten classroom and you'll know exactly what I mean. For fourth and fifth graders, the grade level I usually taught, uh, you might want to change mental states about every 20 minutes or so, depending on the current activity. Obviously, the teacher will have to use good judgment about when changes are beneficial, as they can, in fact, be disruptive. It can be difficult to get students to focus on tasks at hand when there are unfamiliar sights and sounds to observe. For some children, change can also evoke fears of the unknown, and they may become emotionally reactive. However, the benefits of structuring your class day with frequent changes of mental and physical states can far outweigh any negatives. I believe this point bears repeating again. Get your students up and out of their seats and physically moving about as often as you feel comfortable doing so. Well, we have come to the end of today's episode, and I want to thank you for listening to the Teacher Rockstar Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Hiles. We hope you've enjoyed listening to these tips and strategies regarding brain-based learning. When you get a moment, visit my blog and subscribe to my newsletter for the latest educational research, best practices, and unadvertised free bonuses. Go to stevesclassroomresources.blogspot.com. And don't forget to subscribe to us at the Teacher Rockstar Podcast. And if you'd like to support us, please feel free to share our podcast with others. Post about it on social media or leave a rating and review. That would be super, super cool. Thanks again. We'll see you same time, same place next week. And remember, my friend, you got this.